Hello, friends, and welcome to the Brother Cousins Podcast. Today we have Jared, Jeffrey, and myself, Christopher, bringing you the part one of uh, the, the series for December. This month on the podcast, we are going to take a few minutes and talk about some of our favorite psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Some of the the praise and worship music and meditative music that really edifies and builds us up. Some of the things that we're going to talk about will be just songs that really touch us, that we sing in the assemblies. Some of these will be um, holiday or seasonal songs that we really like and speak to the spirit of the season um, and somewhere in between. So um, we hope that this is edifying to you and you can enjoy that. Uh, We'll try to post links to the songs in the show notes so you can go listen to the ones that we found. And if you have songs of your own that you like, there'll be a poll on the episode so you can uh, send us some songs that you want us to listen to. And who knows, maybe if you send us something really good, one of yours might make a mention into the podcast. So anyway, hang on for the ride. And here we go into this month's podcast. So Jeffrey, um, I'd like you to go first. And I want you to tell us about the song that has been your jam here lately and one that has really edified you and that you want to talk about. So the song that I've picked for this first episode is one that has just been stuck on replay in my mind for the last several weeks. Um, I was first introduced to this song from Ty Fleming. He was doing a singing instruction at Gunner Church of Christ. And um, whenever I first sang it, listened to it. I was just trying to figure out the harmony, the rhythm. So I wasn't really paying much attention to the words. But then a few weeks later, um, I was down at College Park and they sang it a few different times. And at that point, I actually got to listen to the words and, and pay attention to it. And just several of the lyrics really choked me up. And I, I'm willing to recognize that part of that weekend, just the enjoyment of the entire weekend probably fed into the emotional response that I had from this song, uh, because I was experiencing, you know, several blessings from God, um, especially pertaining to being around his people. And Mm -hmm. it was just a really encouraging weekend, but the song that I want to kind of break down and talk about a little bit is called the goodness of God. And it's, a more contemporary song than what I think I would normally listen to, but I have found that some of these more contemporary songs have some very powerful lyrics, you know, that some of the older hymns I grew up listening to and I grew up singing and I really enjoy those, but some of the verbiage that was used back in the 1800s is not anything that I use on a regular basis. Um, But, some of the more contemporary songs have been able to capture some of the verbiage that we might use. And it just sticks out in my mind, maybe a little bit more, but um, I'll begin just by reading some of these lyrics. This is one of those songs that repeats lyrics um, pretty regularly throughout the song, but it starts out. I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I woke up until I lay my head, 
I will sing of the goodness of God. The chorus is, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Mm. The second verse is, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You're close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I've lived in the goodness of God. And you go through the chorus again. And then the bridge says, your goodness is running after me. Um, And it says that several times. And then it says, with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after me. And, you know, just some of those lyrics really stick out to me. And whenever you are singing about the goodness of God and the consistency of the goodness of God in your life, you start to reflect back on a lot of the good things that have happened. Um, Even some of the bad things that happened that you feel like were bad in the moment, but you recognize that through the process, your faith became stronger or someone else's faith became stronger and it was a good catalyst for growth. Mm-hmm. And you are enjoying the blessing of the end result of persevering. And it really co- helps you come to a more complete faith. And so you start to reflect on some of those things. And to me, it's very natural to become emotional when thinking about the fact that God has been faithful all my life and that my response is with every breath that I'm able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Yeah. So although this Psalm or this song doesn't have like a specific verse or anything tied to it, like a lot of songs will, I think that there are several principles that are laid out here that are connected to scriptural principles, especially some of the Psalms. Um, You know, there's a lot of Psalms that obviously talk about the mercy of God never failing. Um, Psalm 23 talks about uh, the goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days, which is very similar Mm -hmm. to um, your goodness is chasing after me. Yeah. Um, Psalms 145 the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. I mean, we could go through and read a ton of passages from the Psalms that just talk about the goodness and the mercy of God. Um, there's another, we one. Also, there's another one there, Jeffrey, about that, this idea of, of God's uh, goodness coming after you. I immediately thought of the passage in Deuteronomy 28, and two, whenever he's giving his covenant promise, he says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. And then he pronounces blessings about every aspect of their life on their city and their country, their children, their ground, their flocks. He even blesses their baskets and eating bowls. I mean, And yeah. if you think about all the ways in your life that are saturated by the blessings of God. It's like you can't outrun God's goodness. Right. And and that just in and of itself, like you, you think about the concept of 
God and his goodness chasing after you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much of a better description to talk about what God has done for humanity other than he has tried to chase us down with the opportunity to be saved through his son mm-hmm. and to be reconciled to him. I mean, he created man. He knew our frame. We tempted, we were, we sinned. And yet he still chases after a relationship with us. And that's just a phenomenal blessing. Whenever you think about that. You know, Jeffrey, the way you termed that, it it kind of segues into what I hear with the lyrics of that song. I, I hear the book of Romans. Yeah. You hear the open in Romans 1, from faith to faith, the, the righteousness of God revealed in the gospel, the power of God's salvation. And Paul goes on to give, and, and if, if I had to title or summarize the book of Romans, it is Paul's ode to the faithfulness and love of God. And it is him pouring his heart out about who God is. And you can't do that without talking about God's faithfulness, God's love and in respect to, because it's just a natural thought process, our own faithlessness and wickedness before God and and God's love enduring in spite of that and the opportunity to be remade in his image to be freed from our bondage to death and God pursuing that relationship since before time. It's in any time we can herald and proclaim and sing the faithfulness of God. We should, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like I said, there's a reason Romans starts that way and carries the the entire book in that manner. Yeah. This this psalm or this yeah, this song has a very much of a Psalms 107 vibe, Jared, as you as you told me uh yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's the idea. Psalm 107 basically is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think we referenced that in a couple of episodes back. And yeah, if if God has helped you, if God has delivered you from trouble. You need to talk about it. You need to let let people know. And coming back well, to that idea of of God, you know, pursuing us with goodness. Romans five and six says, "For what when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly." We didn't go to God with this plan about us. Hey, if you'll be faithful, if we'll be faithful to you, will you please send your son to die? No, he was. God's goodness was chasing broken humanity since the dawn of creation up to this moment. He was pursuing us with his grace that entire time. And that's a that's an amazingly humbling thought. Definitely. And that's, you know, I was going to mention, Jared, in response to some of the things that you said. I mean, that's what you see David doing over and over again in Psalms is he will pour his heart out to God. But most of the Psalms somehow end up talking about how I'm going to sing of the mercies of the Lord. I'm going to sing of the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to proclaim all of these things. And that's what he says here is, you know, you've 
led me through the fire in the darkest night. You're closer than anybody or anything else. Um, the relationship I have with you, I've known you as a father, as a friend. And he says that in response to that, with every breath that I am able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. It's very David-esque in that. And, you know, I think that that's the proper response. I mean, that's whenever you think about why we're supposed to be singing songs of praise, like in the assembly, for example, we should be praising God and, and singing the praises of God because we have experienced that goodness, because he's led us through that fire and helped us and been close to us. And whenever things are hard and he's been that father to us, he's been that friend to us, all these descriptions that he says he is for us, when we've experienced that, the proper response is to tell people about it uncontrollably. Yeah, and, you know, I think there's an element of that. Someone say, you know, that's that's an exaggeration. You know, there's no way that we can, with every breath that we're able, we're not always going to do that. But that's the that's the theme that we see in the Psalms is they are hyperbolic. I mean, they do exaggerate because the truth is, is even if we could do that, it still wouldn't be too much. And it's still what we can do now is not even enough. Well, and there's an aspect of David's life and I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it's Psalm 63, maybe that he starts out the day seeking after God and then he stays up or he, he, he wakes up early to seek after God. But then he also talks about how in the night watch, he'll stay up and meditate about God. And that term meditate, whenever you dig into the Hebrew root word actually means to speak or utter, and it's translated to speak or utter in other parts of the, the Bible that's translated in English. Um, and so he's basically saying he gets up early to seek after God and he stays up late thinking and talking about God. With every breath that I'm able, I'm going to tell people about this and I'm going to speak of, of these things about God. There's this idea of self-talk here and everybody, yeah. everybody talks to themselves. I mean, everybody, you know, talks under their breath, you know, so it's a it's a natural human thing. It's it's not unhealthy. And sometimes people's self-talk is really negative. You know, when they're frustrated with themselves for something foolish they did or making a bad decision or whatever, then there's a lot of negative self-talk. Uh, and sometimes we we're excited and we have positive, excited self-talk. But I think it's really appropriate for us as followers of Jesus to have self-talk directed toward God, if that makes sense. It's not necessarily a prayer, but it's, you know, you know, thank the Lord this went well, or, you know, praise Jesus that that worked out, you know, or, you know, God helped them, you know, th those kind of things that we say to ourselves, I think are, if, if not used flippantly, if meant sincerely, I think are good self-talk. Yeah. Another piece of lyric in this song that I really like is the way that verse two starts out. He says, I love your voice. And then he says, 
you've led me through the fire in the dark is not your close like no other but you know how do we hear god's voice and we've no nobody alive has been blessed enough to hear the direct voice of god like they did in the patriarchal age but you can read the scripture and hear his voice and in the darkest night he is close to you and you hear that voice um i've been talking i've been listening to an audiobook lately and it's about getting out of your own head and not allowing your mind to spiral out of control towards anxiety. And one of the things that this author talks about is that they experience waking up, you know, every morning at 3 a.m. and they just could not go back to sleep. Their mind could not shut off. They had all these questions and thoughts rolling through their mind. And I said, one of the solutions for the, that problem was to bring their thoughts back under control through the utilization of meditating on scripture and really leaning on some of these promises of God and things he says about bringing your mind and body into subjection. Um, And that was one of the very practical steps of not allowing yourself to spiral. But, you know, just the idea of, I love your voice. I love your, the way that I read that or hear that is I love your word and it's going to carry me through these things. Very much a David-esque thing to say, you know, David talked about how he, he loved the testimonies of the Lord. He loved the Lord's righteous rules. You know, it just demonstrates a, a sincere, if I could say affection for um, the word of God. I think there are, there are different ways of appreciating God's word. You know, we can be, um, respectful and reverent of the laws of God and his truths. Sometimes we come up, come up against a truth in God's word, which is challenging or hard for us that we don't especially love, but we submit to it out of reverence for God. But David has taken it to a whole new level. I mean, David is like, I love every part of your word, every concept, every precept, because I know it's an extension of you, God. And I know that I love you more than anything else. And that's just such an amazing goal of maturity and uh, seeking after God that I love to see in the Psalms. And I think is in this song too, Jeffrey. Absolutely. I mean, after the bridge, as it says, your goodness is running after me. He's the immediate response to God running after me is with my life laid down. I surrender now. I give you everything. Again, just a very powerful line. Now, there, there's a, a part of this song, you know, we've uh, we've talked a lot about kind of how it's David-esque, how um, there's a lot of some good theological thoughts in this but i know one criticism to songs like this is some would call it a, a 7-eleven hymn i've heard that term well and if you're unfamiliar with what that term 7-eleven hymn stands for it's essentially short form for you say the same seven things 11 different times mm. and it's you're you're saying the same thing over and over again is is what the complaint is there. And I know a lot of people who don't like hymns like that, but in all due respect to the people's preferences um, for particular songs like that, 
um, or that are different than that. I would say, you know, David had a lot of 7-Eleven type Psalms where people would call him redundant or repetitive. And that was inspired by God. And I believe that there's a strength to some of the repetition there, because those are generally the things that are imprinted on your minds. And whenever you walk away from whatever setting that you sang that song or heard that song, it sticks with you and it just keeps flowing through your mind. It's kind of like the song. I know a, a song that gets on everybody's nerves and that's all you say for the next 20 minutes, <laughs> but that's what's stuck in your head. And it helps you meditate on the goodness of God. And I can't say enough. Why is that a bad thing? Yeah. That you're walking away meditating on the goodness of God. Yeah. I, I love those meditative songs. Um, I think, you know, another one that fits in that category, and this is not one that I necessarily want to focus a lot on, but it's glorify thy name. The structure is repetitive. You know, Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Spirit, we love you. But just singing that with a slow but not dragging cadence and just meditating upon that, uh, to me, it's edifying. It, it really does help make a track in your mind for that thought to roll down and continue to roll down. And I, I think there's value there. Definitely. Well, I, I would encourage anybody. And as you said, we can post this in the show notes that maybe a YouTube link or two or something to this, but you know, this has been a very encouraging song for me. Um, it's one that we're trying to, to learn at Concord as mm -hmm. well. We sang it for the first time as a congregation this past Wednesday night, and it could have gone worse. Um, we've got a lot of work to do, but again, it, it's it, it's just powerful, you know, to hear. And, and I, even though my daughters have not had a long life to experience the goodness of God, one of the favorite things that I have ever heard them say is singing this song. Yeah. It, yeah, it is powerful. Well, we'll switch gears, uh, Jeffrey. I really appreciate you bringing that that song uh, to my attention. Uh, I had I didn't know about it until you brought it to my attention. Um, the next one that we're going to talk about is one that's probably very familiar to a lot of our listeners. It is uh, what's generally considered a Christmas hymn, and it's called "O Holy Night." That is one that I have loved for a long time and continues to be one that when when done well, it can it can also bring a tear to my eye too. It's a song that not only is it have beautiful harmony and melody, but it has some concepts that are in it that really make us appreciative about the incarnation and the the miracle of God becoming flesh and making a choice to condescend to humanity. And so most of you probably know the beginning of verse one that says, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. 
till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Now, I want to state the obvious that I don't believe that the time of Jesus' birth was in winter. I think it's a pretty well-established historical uh, piece of knowledge that that the time that the shepherds would have been out would have been in the spring of the year. Um, there's some there's a lot of interesting stuff about the uh, astronomical data that's out there, uh, and I think it's pretty safe to assume that most people understand that the observance of the holiday of Christmas, which is a human tradition, was really focused on replacing pagan celebrations of the winter solstice, where people acknowledged that it was the deepest part of winter. The days got longer and darker, or excuse me, the days got shorter uh, and the nights got longer and darker. And Round about December 20th and 21st is when we have the winter solstice and things start to look more hopeful again. We covered some of that in our Chasing the Light Through Darkness series uh, last year. But what is great is at the same time we see the year begin to turn and things get lighter again, it's an appropriate metaphor how that the coming of Jesus in the flesh fulfilling the promises of God's prophets and the word of God for thousands of years coming true at this time is certainly the turning point of human history that things were looking pretty bad, but they're getting better. And so this idea of long lay the world in sin and error pining, that word to pine, it means essentially to, to despair, to express a sense of hopelessness or an inability to change your situation. And that's exactly where we were, guys. Without the promise of Christ, we're just, we're in sin, we're stuck in our own devices, not knowing the way or word of God. But Jesus appeared. And then our soul understands its worth that God loved us so much that he would send Jesus to rescue our souls, that God values a broken humanity that was uh, sinful and failing. And in the next part, it says a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And that that metaphor of, of the morning breaking and Jesus landing on the pages of history as you know God as a as a human is like the night is over and it's time for something completely different. And that feeling that that concept brings in my mind, it truly is thrilling. It is a thrill of hope. You know, Christopher, what this piece of the song reminds me of is Psalm 30, where verse four and five, it says, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. 
And, and I see, I feel like a pretty straight connection there where we're talking about the holy night and the morning coming and changing everything. And, and with that morning comes joy. Yeah. It's just huge. And for that reason, this time of year is, it's exhilarating to me. And, and I know that it was a long time ago that Jesus came. And I know that there's no commanded scripture or even early Christian tradition of the observance of the coming of Christ. But we can look back now and see that it was, it was the linchpin of human history. And to understand that everything is different because Jesus came. And with a perspective now of having seen that through history, we can we can really look back and be thankful. And it it really is just a, an appropriate metaphor that aligns with nature that, I don't know, makes me pretty excited. Well, and I want to point out something we see in Scripture that doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot except for this time of year. And that is, this was an event that was looked for, of course, by the Jews. If you go back and you read the prophets, you read the Psalms, I mean, you, you just trace it back to Genesis. The hope of Israel, the hope that they had and the, the covenant with God was that it went back to Abraham and God's promise to Abraham that through him all families and nations of the world will be blessed. Yeah. And in their trial, in their chastisement from God, when they were faithless to him, he preserved a section of his people. And the the people of God, while they suffered with the unrighteous, they were not destroyed with the unrighteous. But we see men not of Israel who are looking for the coming Messiah and see the sign that they knew about, had been told about, whatever, however you want to put it, we're not specifically told, but they come to worship him and, and come to find him, and they journey to do so for a time. And so this was an event that people in the world were looking for to bring hope. And we, you know, again, I'm going to go back to Romans, but we're, we're told that the world is subjected to futility in hope that Jesus brought to the world and is going to bring to the world back to the already not yet concept we've talked about before. But in Jesus, the kingdom of God is broken forth on what we deem reality, the greater reality of God's existence and his kingdom that's established for eternity has broken forth upon the minds of men, the hearts of men, which is why we seek so hard to stamp it out. And, and I say we as humanity because it judges us in that God has a way for us to live because a lot of us aren't like David. A lot of us don't see that the greatest calling of humanity is to be one with our God. And so his kingdom judges us, but in that judgment, it raises us up and gives us the path by which we can become the greatest humans. And I, I just love the open of that song and the the images of hope that it, it wasn't just a Jewish thing. 
it wasn't just a Hebrew theme. Jesus started with the Hebrews because they had the promises and, and that was foretold to them. But this promise is to the world. And as Peter said in his gospel sermon in Acts 2, to all who are far off, to all who hear, hear these words and the testimony of Jesus Christ and what he did, it's it's a hope that gives it's a it's a hope that gives hope to the hopeless yeah you're you're exactly correct jared it's it's a hope for the nations and i'm going to read verse two and then i have a a couple things i want to point out about it in my hymnal um verse two says led by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand so led by light of a star sweetly gleaming here came the wise men from orient land the king of kings lay thus in loving manger in all our trials born to be our friend he knows our need to our weakness he is no stranger behold your king and before him lowly bend this verse speaks to the approachability of this babe. If you think about what it was like for those shepherds and then for those kings who, as you said, Jared, this just wasn't a Hebrew thing. It wasn't an Israel thing. The nations were looking for him. And these wise men from Babylon knew enough up from somewhere. We don't know exactly how they knew but they knew enough from observing the skies to come and look for the Messiah and they found him. And this image here that just like they did, we as Gentiles come before his cradle with glowing hearts to just be in awe of what God did. And then this This babe speaks to the humanity of Jesus, that he is in flesh just like us. He was born to be our friend. You know, Jeffrey, that echoes to the song that that you talked about, the goodness of God, that we've known him as a father, we've known him as a friend. And that, that Jesus as God, he knows our needs and he is not a stranger to our weaknesses. I just I just don't even know what to do with that. It, it speaks to some passages in Hebrews where it talks about him knowing the things that we go through and that equipping him to be the most excellent high priest for us. Yeah, it's Hebrews four twelve. Uh Sorry, no, that's it's not. It's Hebrews four fifteen. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. All points as tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we obtain mercy and, and find grace to help in time of need. So not only can we approach the cradle, but we can approach the throne because of the humanity and sympathy of Jesus come in the flesh 
And it's just, it's good theology about the incarnation uh, in this song. It reminds me of another song and I'm going to pull, I'm going to copy you from what you previously said. It's not the song we're talking about, but he still came. Yeah. Just for me, you know, from the manger to the cross, he still came. That's an amazing lyric in my mind, but um, it speaks to what you're talking about here. You know, Christopher, if you roll that over to the next chapter, Hebrews 5, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. And it just goes on to talk about how our high priests before were were weak in the flesh. They They sinned like we did, but Christ didn't exalt himself. He was appointed by God. He is the chosen lamb, the 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 sacrifice and the priest offering it all in one. And like you said, we, we just we should absolutely sing about the incarnation and, and the wonder of Jesus becoming flesh, the, the Son of God, the embodiment of of God in human form, Emmanuel, God with us. And all that he is able to do, you know, you can roll it back to Romans 7, and he condemned sin in the flesh mm-hmm. and did what humanity had thus far proved incapable of doing and restoring that relationship for all of humanity, opening the door to restore that relationship for all of humanity back to God in the fact that he became flesh himself to dwell among us and show us what it means to be truly human. Yeah, Jared, if you look at Greek and Roman mythology, the, the Greco Roman gods and goddesses and demigods, they took human form all the time. I mean, they became flesh all the time. I mean, that's where a lot of the myths they have are of them, you know, coming in the form of a beautiful maiden or an animal or whatever and doing this or that. And without fail, the gods are just as petty and terrible as people are. And it's like whenever those false gods become flesh, it's a justification of how people act. But when Yahweh became flesh, he didn't sin. He wasn't petty. He elevated servitude and sacrifice of himself. And instead of the presence of Yahweh in the flesh justifying human sin, it condemned human sin and called us up to be like him. And that's a totally different story in the Bible than what we get in the rest of the ancient world. I think that's an excellent distinction to make because in, in it, I believe points to the the truth of the matter. You know, when, as you said, Yahweh comes, he sets the expectation for us to be more like him. But that's why man makes false gods in our minds. We, our flesh yearns to justify ourselves. And so if we can create even a mythical world 
where a God comes and fulfills its flesh and is involved in human sin, um, just like what we would, it helps pacify our minds because we want to make God like us rather than denying our flesh and living by the spirit to become more like God. Yeah. It's, it's a much more believable story to be, to be honest. Um, and the last verse of this song, it says, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. You know, I just love that that the new law of the kingdom is is said here that all humanity are brethren, and that Jesus calls us to oneness in Himself. That there is no more um, male nor female, bond or free, Jew or Gentile, but we're all one in Christ because what He did, He broke those chains and He bound humanity together, um, all on equal footing. And it's not that that there won't be any oppression anymore clearly but god's people shouldn't be doing that and that's not the law of the kingdom of jesus and just our response to the message of that gospel you know as we've talked about i think previously in other episodes the gospel isn't just the death burial and resurrection and how to be saved the gospel is the complete scheme of god to redeem the entire creation to himself and right every wrong and as we've also talked about in the past, the, the fact that God invites us to become agents in that change and building his kingdom and standing for its laws is powerful. That the kings of the earth would come and bow down before this baby and he would give them a law that would completely change the world. It's uh, It's a good song and it's one of my favorites. It has been for decades and it probably always will be well friends uh that's all the time we have right now uh we are going to catch up next week and look at a few more songs and talk through some of the things about it that are meaningful to us and and help edify us as we meditate on psalms hymns and spiritual songs um if you have some psalms, hymns, or spiritual songs that you would like to bring to our attention for us to look at and maybe even be mentioned on the show and explore, you're welcome to do one of two things. Uh, for those of us who listen on uh, Spotify, which is actually our home, uh, there'll be a poll that you can reply to. Or if you have something, you can send us. We prefer a link if you have a YouTube video, a link to a video or audio for your song. If you can email that to brother.cousins at outlook.com. We'll be happy to take a look. And who knows, maybe your uh, song will make our podcast. But we appreciate everyone listening. We hope this has been helpful to you. And we hope that wherever you are, uh, you'll be like our our grandfather who always had a song in his heart, was always whistling, humming, and singing something and, and making uh, joy in his heart to God. So as we normally do, we are going to close out with a prayer. So we never did pick somebody to pray. I don't know who it is, but I prefer it to not be me tonight because I felt like I've talked too much already. I prayed last time, I believe. Okay, so we'll go Jared or did you? That's fine. Okay. All right.
Take it away, Un. Our gracious Father, we come before you as we close this podcast, this opportunity we had to sit sit down together and talk about your word and and the wonders of our creation, how you created us and, and everything around us. Father, in regard to that specifically, we thank you for the blessing and the beauty of music. The, the music that you put into our hearts, the love of singing and, and how it speaks to us and, and compels us. Father, we pray that you would help us to sing your praises, to sing your wonders and your mercy and your love and your goodness and the plan of our redemption. Father, we pray that you would help us to love to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would dig into the words that we sing and appreciate the the effect they have on our hearts and on our minds, and that we would spread your word and your love in every way that we can, including our love of music. Father, we thank you for your son and the opportunity that he gives us to sing about your goodness and mercy by redeeming us back to you and restoring our relationship with you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.